Hey everybody, Chris here coming to you from guest bedroom slash office. Uh, I want to talk to you today about households. Uh, and I want to start out by telling you a little bit about my household. I'm, I'm using some figures here. This will say this is me. The house, My household consists of me, my wife, Sarah, my daughter, Anna, eighth grade, and my son, Peter, fifth grade this year. This is our, this is our household. Uh, but in March, our household grew by one person because of the pandemic. My nephew is a college student in the U.S., and um, like many other colleges, his college canceled classes, sent students home to work remotely in March, and his house, uh, his home is in Thailand, and so that wasn't so easy for him to go back. In fact, they wouldn't let him fly internationally. And so he was stuck here in the U.S., and thankfully he has this space to, to, to call his own. He joined our household, who should be, this should be Caspian, because he's got, he got red hair. So Caspian joined our household in March. Now, when it, it was a pretty smooth transition, you know, his household that he grew up in, my brother's family, and our household, we're, we're similar. We, we've got a lot of similarities, similar values, both Christian families. But, you know, there were some things that we do differently. Uh, and Caspian had to, you know, he had to observe and learn and kind of uh, uh, before he really fit into to what we were doing here. Like things like uh, traditions or celebrations. He was here for Easter. And so uh, we have a way that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus in our home. And he, 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 he participated in that. He had to learn what that looked like. Uh, more daily routines like meals. How do we do meals in our household? Well, you know, in our household, breakfast, fend for yourself. Lunch, for the most part, fend for yourself, with a few exceptions. Dinner, though, is usually provided by, uh, by, by Sarah or me, and we all have a family dinner together, eating at the, uh, the dining room table. We started a practice this, during the pandemic, I should say, of the kids providing the meal on Saturday nights, which has worked out pretty well. Uh, and then on Friday nights, we, we started the practice during the pandemic of just getting out of the house and going to eat, letting someone else prepare the meal. We drove through a drive-through and had a, had a van picnic is what we call it, a pandemic picnic on Friday nights. So we started that practice. That was, you know, part of our household practices and routines that Caspian participated in. He, he found out that we really enjoy being active and, and hiking and, and biking. And so we uh, regularly on the weekends went to a state park, a local park, and, and hiked or biked around. Just part of, part of our household, you know. That, that's what we're talking about when, we're, when we say household. It's not, just, it's not just the people in it that make it up. It's, it's, it's the routines, it's the practices, it's, it's what makes your household your household. Now, in our household, uh, we don't just have traditions to have traditions, right? Because we have them and that's how we grew up. And we don't just have practices just because to make things efficient and easy, though, though those do exist, just, just make things easier. We also have practices and routines that we've 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 um, uh, included in our household because we want to grow in our faith. 
we want, I want to grow in my faith and I want my wife to grow in her faith and, and our kids to grow in their faith. We want a household that's vibrant, kind of spiritually vibrant, right? That, that allows people to just easily grow in their faith and to get to know Jesus and walk with him. So we've asked the question, how can we nurture faith in our household? And we have practices and routines that have come out of, as a result of asking and answering that question. Do you ask that question? How can we nurture the faith of our household? How can I nurture faith in my household? I bet you do. I bet you're like us, like Joshua in the Bible, when he said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I bet you're like that. So let's ask and answer this question over the next few weeks together. How can we nurture faith in our households? Our vision is that all of our households would become a little bit more spiritually vibrant, that we would put into practice some things or, or strengthen or enhance practices in our households that grow faith in Christ. Well, I want to start by looking at this passage of Joshua just a little bit more closely. When Joshua said that statement, he was, he was in the promised land. He's the leader of Israel, God's chosen leader, and he has assembled all the tribes of Israel together. He's summoned, chapter 24, Joshua 24 says, he summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And, and the passage goes on to say that, that Joshua stood before them and re recalled all of the things that God had done for them to get them to that point. He had saved them out of Israel. He had saved them from oppression in Israel, from slavery, and, and, and miraculously led them through the Red Sea and uh, had provided the promised land for them after uh, providing for them in the desert this promised land that they didn't deserve, they didn't earn. God provided graciously for them. And, and so he recalled all, of the, recalled all of these things to the nations of, uh, to, the, to all the tribes of Israel. And then he says this. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him. This is verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, small g gods, and serve the Lord, capital L. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Joshua goes on, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, small g, your ancestors, ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. And then he says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. Now, I've mentioned households. We took a look at my household a little bit, who's in it, the, the practices, routines, a, a few of them. But we need to mention right away that households don't, not all households look like mine. Right? Uh, a mother, father, uh, two kids, not all households are nuclear, in other words. There are lots of different kinds of household structures, like couple households, married 
couples who, who may, they might be uh, empty nesters. Um, they might be a couple who have, don't have kids. Uh, there are roommate households, right? Uh, how about multi-generational households where three or more generations live together? Single parent households? Um, or single person households, people who uh, ha are not married or do not have a roommate, uh, who may be widowed or a widower, a widower or a widower. Um, all these different kinds of households. And so as we think about households, it's important that we don't just think, oh yeah, all households are, are like mine. Like, like if I were to think that, if I thought, yeah, most households are nuclear, well, I would, be, I would be really wrong about that. But by the way, do you know what percentage of Christian households in our country are nuclear households? What percentage of Christian households in the U.S. are nuclear? Mother, father, kids. One out of five, 20% of Christian households in our country are nuclear on the other hand, what percentage of households, Christian or not, in the U.S. are single? Single people living alone. One out of four. 20%, 25%, excuse me. 25% of households are single occupant households. The highest percentage in our country. Nuclear second. Well, when I start thinking about households and the household structure, we have to think even a little bit more deeply than just different kinds of households. Th this is what I mean. We heard from Joshua a moment ago when he spoke those words about his household serving the Lord. He didn't just mean his core household, his, his immediate family who lives with him, his core household. He, he also meant, in, in the Old Testament, it's very common for households not just to be made up, to be made up not just of the core, like mother, father, children, but also, uh, let's say, a, a brother and his wife and another brother and his wife and their kids. That's part of his household. Uh, and uh, potentially his parents are living with him as well. Additionally, um, maybe folks who are employed, who he employs. You can see him there. He's kind of off the screen, but, you know, there you go. You see, you see his top. We have him. So we've got employees as well in the household. And so in the Old Testament, households were much broader than what we think of them in the U.S., you know, it's not just who lives in my house with me or my apartment with me or my condo. It's not just who lives in the structure with me. It's, it's much broader than that. That's important to think about, too, because if my household isn't just my core household in here, but also includes extended household members, then when I say, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, it takes on new meaning. I suggest it's, it's important to think about who really is in my household, broadly speaking. How can I nurture the faith in my household? Good question. Who's in your household? 
it makes me think, how are my extended household members growing in their faith because of their connection to me and to us and our family? How are they encouraged in their faith or challenged? How are they growing because of their connection to our household? It makes me think, on the other hand, how are the members in my extended household helping to influence the faith of my household, of, of me, my wife, my kids? It goes both ways. When we ask about how can we nurture the faith in our household, and we think of household in these terms, it takes on new meaning. Now, some of you, for that new meaning, you're thinking, oh, no. Uh, not only do I have to think about my faith, which I'm having trouble nurturing anyway, uh, I have to think about my household now, like my, my core household people who live in, live with me, but also the extended household, people who are like, you know, for us, extended household is like family and friends, right? So it's like um, people who you would consider like family. People who, who, who might come over your house on a regular basis or you go to their house on a regular basis. It's people who know your routines, right? They know they know your, your joys and your sorrows, the, your successes and your failures. The they, they know your Wi-Fi password, you know. They, when they come to your house, their device connects automatically to your Wi-Fi. That, that's what we're talking about in, as extended household members. It's the people that you influence on a regular basis and influence you. Now, this, this might sound like a burden, like I was saying, <laughs> to think about nurturing your faith, not only your own faith, but the faith in your household and then your core household and then the faith in your extended household. But let me encourage you a little bit. As we think about nurturing faith and the power of households. Now, not only do we tend to think of households in terms of what we're used to, the kinds of households we think of, we also think about nurturing faith in one of two ways, usually, in, at least in the West, in the U.S., in, the, in this culture, we think of God relating to us as individuals, right? It, we have a personal faith with God through faith in Jesus. We, we, we nurture our faith through individual practices. And we tend to think of God relating to us as a church. We have church practices that nurture faith and, and advance God's kingdom. Individual practices, church practices, But if we stop there, we miss the vital space where God nurtures faith. At least it seems like that according to the Bible. How important are households to God? Well, we get a clue to that by asking the question, how often are households mentioned in the Bible? Like, how much attention do households get in the Bible? They mentioned 100 times, 200 times, 500 times, 1,000 times. Turns out that household and households are mentioned in the Bible over 2,000 times. Yeah, over, over 2,100 times in the Bible, households are mentioned. They get a lot of attention in God's story. 
Another way to, to ask this question, how important are God, our households to God, is to ask, how does God use households in the Bible? Well, think about that. It's not exaggerating to say God saved humanity through a household, right? When the flood came, who was on the ark? Noah and his household. And it's not exaggeration to say, how is God saving the world from the brokenness of sin? Right? It's centered on Jesus and the cross and his resurrection, his death and resurrection. But God's plan of salvation began with a household. Abraham, Sarah. Households seem to play a vital role, not just in, in nurturing faith, but in God's mission as well. Like God is advancing his mission in the world through households. It's really important for us to know that. It's really inspiring. Households are, are the places where faith is nurtured deeply. And it's the place where God, uh, one of the places God is using to, to advance his, his mission in the world. So let's not just think of Nurturing faith and God advancing Arian's mission through individuals and through churches. Like I said, I think that that's, that's an American way to think about the Christian faith. And let, let me ask you something. How, how is that going? How's that version of faith going? Is the church thriving in America? Doesn't seem so. Is the next generation, is, is faith being passed on well to the next generation, to, to, to millennials and, and soon to be Gen Z? Are, are, they, are they responding with heartfelt commitment to God and his mission, joining in what God is doing in the world and committing to a faith community? Are, are they? No, not the majority. The majority are not. I suggest that part of the problem, and therefore part of the solution of faith in our country and in our children and in the next generation is the vital role that households play in God's mission. God relates to us as individuals. He relates to us as churches, but he also relates to us in very important ways in our households. Faith is nurtured in a household because practices are embedded there. All, all kinds of practices are embedded. You, you, you practice things today simply because that's how you grew up and you're in your household. And, and kids who are in households, you will do things for the rest of your life because that's how you did them now as a kid in your household. It's just a powerful way to pass on practices. And this, households are the places where faith and other behaviors are caught. Not just taught, but they're, they're caught, right? They, we practice those things because we see them. We practice them. And they just become part of our lives. It's the same, as, the same with faith, oftentimes. 
Now, of course, there are lots of practices I can say parenthetically. There are plenty of practices that I practiced when I was a kid and I don't practice now. I'm not saying all of them are passed along. That's certainly true of the, the Christian faith or any faith. You can practice them in your household or grow up in that environment and not practice them as adults. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that households are important. They're important in nurturing faith and they're important to God as he advances his mission in the world. And so that's why we're talking about households, and that's why we have this desire in our church to help all of our households nurture faith there and to become a little bit more vibrant because of the things we learn about and discover in this series over the next few weeks. That's our prayer. Let's close in prayer. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the gift of households in all the various forms. We thank you, Father, for the variety. And we thank you, Lord, that you relate to us, not just individuals and in churches, but in households as well. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us at River Tree, that you would encourage us to consider how can we grow faith in our household, whether we're a single person or a family, multi-generational, couple, roommate, whatever, single parent, pray, Lord, your blessing on all of us and your encouragement on us as we seek to grow more and more in love with you uh, as we serve the world around us. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. See ya.